Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, me and Jake are in LA. Pete's here. Tyler's here. Uh, Chris Sale's not here. Chris Sale's not here. He's not going to be here. I. I'm in a ter- terrible mood. Uh, I, first of all, I hate traveling. That's number one. Um, I need my own space. I freak out if I don't have it. So like, we're, we'll be in LA for like the next 45 to 65 days. Um, and we had this watch party, which by the way, we couldn't say watch party. We couldn't, we couldn't call it a watch party. So I had to like try and get Red Sox fans to come to this thing without telling them that we were watching the game, which was very difficult to do. I'd be like, hey, come on by the DraftKings tent because we're we're doing it. But <laughs> like, the people were like, like Joe's McFly was like, wait, so you're not watching the game? I was like, I don't know. I can't tell you that we are, but I can't tell you that we're not. So we had this watch party that was a secret watch party. Um, and uh, the Red Sox played a baseball game, but it did not go well. Uh, out here in the West Coast, it was a 10.30 in the morning baseball game. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, a little morning baseball. You know, we got that earlier against, what was that, the Mariners? Was that the cock game that we got, Tyler? No, that was the White Sox, right? White Sox. Yes. Yeah, we got the White Sox cock game. Uh, and then this one, which for all you West Coast listeners, you got some some morning baseball here. Red Sox, Yankees, Chris Sale versus Garrett Cole. What a matchup. What a marquee matchup. Just two big dogs just, just wrestling in the yard. All the marbles. Red Sox, Yankees, the Bronx, Yankee Stadium. Right now, I'm doing this podcast and across the street, there's just a fucking wild pool party going on. There's this girl over there shaking her ass. She's having a good time. Must be nice. I'm not having a good time at all. Um, things started off so so promising. We went to uh, Sonny McLean's. By the way, shout out Sonny McLean's. It's a uh, it's a Red Sox oh, bar yeah. in California. It's in Santa Monica. And uh, fun fact: when I started my Red Sox MySpace page when I was in high school, Sox Space Sonny McLean's was in my top eight. We had a I don't know that I can't remember any like communication that I ever had with like the owner of the bars or whatever. But we had some some little connection back then. And then uh, we came out here. And on Friday night, me and Jake were looking for somewhere to eat, somewhere to watch the socks instead of our cell phones. And I was like, let's, let's go to Sonny McLean's. So we go there. We're ordering food. It's a great time. By the way, you'll like this, Pete. Then the ninth inning, I didn't, even, I didn't even say hi to him because it was the fucking ninth inning and like the, the Red Sox were collapsing. Like he walked in right as Tanner Houck fired the ball into the stands to tie the game. But uh, Milan Lucic just walked into the bar. Really? Yeah. Lucic yeah. just fucking like Jake was like, holy shit, that's Milan Lucic. I was like, fucking Tanner Houck, though. Like, what the fuck, <laughs> dude? I didn't even like he was he came in after we got there and he left before we left. I I think I maybe looked at him for 
less than five seconds. He was sitting directly behind us. Uh, but that game, I guess we can start there. I mean, obviously, I don't have a, a ton of great things to say beyond the Friday night game. But even the Friday night game, it's like you, you feel like you got away with murder in that game. Uh, Pete, did you watch all three? I did not. I watched Friday and then I watched uh, about half of today's. Yeah, you didn't miss Sundays. Much. You huh? Didn't, you didn't miss much. Uh, what on half of today? Yeah, uh, I saw all I needed to see. Well, I, watched the, I watched the first half. <laughs> let's let's say that I watched the first half, and then I was like, okay, that's all I need to see. I'm going to enjoy my fucking Sunday before I literally kill myself. Yeah. Yeah, Nathan Avaldi came back. The return of Nathan Avaldi just in fucking time. Here he comes. Nasty Nate. Four and a third. Six innings. Three earned runs. Couple walks. A homer. Four punch outs. Man, missed him. People were making a big deal out of the, the drop in velocity with, with Nathan Avaldi on Friday. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's his first start in over a month, right? He, he went down over a month ago. Uh, had what one rehab start? That was it. And at the same time, kind of similar to Chris Sale, when he had to ramp it up, he could ramp it up to get the velo he needed. He could yeah. get up to you know ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. I don't. What the fuck is going on over there? It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's like a, they have like fucking someone's running around with like a pink smoke bomb. What the fuck is this? Are you seeing this? It's infuriating. It's it's <laughs> almost like they. <laughs> They know that we're recording right now and they, they're celebrating. It's that it's that meme where it's like they don't know that the Red Sox just got outscored twenty seven to three over the last two days. How are you guys having this much fun? It, it does. It this does seem very much like the uh, the Squidward meme. Yeah, Squidward yeah. Looking out his window and uh, instead of SpongeBob and Patrick running around, it's just like half naked girls with smoke bombs at a pool. Yeah, it's a pool party. People are dancing. And there's a dude running around with a, a legit smoke bomb, but it's pink smoke. It looks like he's tear gassing the pool, but like everyone's having an awesome time with this. You think it's the world's most fucking lit gender reveal party ever? Could be. It's a fucking girl. It could Shout be. To the couple. But like, here's the thing. If it was a gender reveal, everyone would be cheering for like the pink smoke. It's just that one dude holding the pink smoke bomb, just like doing the fucking merengue. Is that what it's called? Something like that. I don't know. But he's having an awesome time. I'm happy for that dude. I'm happy for him. Um, Nathan Valdi's back, though. Uh, <laughs> I was fine with the performance. Four and a third. Whatever. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't. One homer. Yeah, that was it. It wasn't. One dumb. mistake. One mistake. That's it. Sure. Then you go to Schreiber for five outs. Only gives up the one hit, one punch out. Uh, and then you got the return of Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen, which I've been saying all along. Garrett Whitlock belongs in the bullpen. I didn't want him as a starter. It's not hindsight's 2020. I did not want him. This is infuriating to watch. Like people are just like they're doing like the fucking. Eh, it looks like the most fun party of all. Time. <laughs> it looks so fun. It looks so fun. Um, uh, Garrett Whitlock, uh, I didn't want him as, as a starting pitcher. You know, if you want to put him in the role, he went two innings. Like if you want him in that role, that's fine. But I just knew the Red Sox were not never going to admit the, their fault that he shouldn't be a starting pitcher. So they were never just going to put him back into the bullpen. And it had to be an injured list type deal where it's like, all right, well, after that, we'll put him back into the bullpen. He looked awesome. Uh, the change, by the way, 
uh, one of the big things that I was complaining about when he was starting was the drop off in the swing and miss with his slider as a starter. It got cut in half. Like he just was not fooling nearly as many people with with his slider. But watching him on Friday night, he didn't even throw the slider. He, he was didn't just, need it. Yeah, he didn't need it. He was he was fastball changeup, and the changeup was fucking disgusting. It, part of it was he finally had that separation with the fastball and the changeup again because the velocity ticked back up. It wasn't a guy trying to survive 100 pitches out there. He could truly air it out. And I think my favorite part about Garrett Whitlock being back, besides how dominant he was, it was you finally saw the Red Sox using John Schreiber in the way I think he should be used. It was a true fireman role. Listen, Nate Valdi, out of gas in the fifth inning. We need someone to go an inning plus here. Here's John Schreiber for five outs. And, you know, props to John Schreiber for that double play as well, that ball he picked. That's the best play by a first baseman this year we've seen on the Red Sox. And, yes, I am trying to offend Bobby Dublik and Frenchy Cordero with that statement. Um, uh, let's be real. That, that is by far the best play we've seen around the first base bag this year. Um, but that was the heartbreaking part. And, obviously, that plays into a little bit of what happened today now with another pitcher going down. But then you get to Tanner Houck. I think Tanner Houck, while he shit his pants in one way, he let his nuts hang in. A way that I think proved that he's kind of meant for the ninth inning overall moving forward. That's a good take. That's a good take. Uh, I'll circle back around on that and, and add this. I think Tanner Houck got too much shit for the Toronto stuff for the simple fact that he's not some shutdown fucking closer. Like not to not to throw a knock at Tanner Houck, but I'm just saying in the in the sense that Oh, now we got titties shaking over here. Look at this. Ooh. Look at that. Oh, drop it down low, girl. Um, bear titties? Yep. Um, uh, bear? No. What kind of party is this? Okay. No, not bear. Uh, but Tanner Houck, everyone was giving him shit. Like, oh, if you had Houck, then you you win those games in Toronto and blah, blah, blah. I mean, how many times has Tanner Houck come, come into a game in the ninth inning and just been like, bam, 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 three up, three down, there's a save? I mean, I feel like there's been, there's been walks, there's been hits, and... Uh, you know, and then on Friday night, you have the runner going a third. He fucking throws it away. Now you have the tying run. All credit in the world to Tyler's point for Tanner Houck. What was it? Bases loaded, nobody out, or one out? Bases loaded, nobody out in the ninth, and bases loaded, one out in the tenth. <laughs> yeah, I mean Tanner Houck. People were calling him Houdini. You got to give him credit for. Uh, sure, you know, you inherited this this one run lead in the ninth inning. It should have just been over there. But to be put in this situation, and if if you're a Red Sox fan and you've been to Yankee Stadium to watch Red Sox Yankees, and in a moment like that, I've been there. I mean, I've I've always uh, I was actually Rob Bradford showed up to Sonny McLean's when we were there on Friday, and he had the same opinion that I did that he's never heard. I thought it was just me. Never heard a louder sports venue than game four, the division series against the Yankees in 2018, the game that the Red Sox uh, eliminated the Yankees. That was the loudest I've ever heard any sports venue I've ever been to in person. And my only thought coming away from that is if I'm this rattled sitting in the stands, what must it feel like to be on the mound trying to get out <laughs> against this team that, by the way, won 100 games like that lineup's no joke. And of course, you know, when you're you're a professional athlete and you're talking about Craig Kimbrell, potentially a Hall of Fame uh, closer and Tanner Houck, we're not talking Hall of Fame right now, but 
if you're a closer, it's for a reason. It's because you're really good. Uh, maybe they just have a different air of confidence to where they don't feel the the panic as much as you do when you're a fan and you know that you have literally no control over the outcome. Uh, but it's just not not a happy, comfortable place to pitch. So I give him even more credit that it was bases loaded in two different situations and he could have just folded there and he didn't. And because he didn't, the Red Sox won a ball game in this series. Feels like a miracle. It really does. <laughs> like I was saying that today when we were watching uh, the 13 to two game, I was like, they could have just gotten swept in four in Tampa and then came to New York and gotten swept three more to go into the break. Like that was a very, very realistic thing to happen. Uh, it crazy to me that that first game was as close as it was. And then the next two was essentially like a professional baseball team playing a D3 high school baseball team. It was not fun to watch at all. Um, I was feeling pretty good about the prediction heading into today. I said that they were going to bookend the series with wins, going to win the win Friday and then lose middle game, win Sunday. Man, would have felt pretty good about this team, about myself. But like, let's be real. When Chris Sale went down today, did everyone feel like it was game there? Because I felt like, I, was I felt like it was. I thought it was like fucking season when that happened. That's I how like, I felt. Season. Too. I was just like, oh fuck, the season's over. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't like to overreact to one game, but it's it's not one game. I mean, they're fucking just shitting their pants heading into the All Star break, and like the fact that it is the All Star break, and you can't just like pick things up tomorrow makes it feel really shitty. It feels really shitty. This team is playing terrible baseball and just getting their shit kicked in. And now you kind of have to sit with that for like a week. Well, that's why I it obviously didn't didn't work, but that's why I loved Alex Cora's comments because Alex Cora was asked, you know, what do you want this team to do at the trade deadline? And I'm paraphrasing, but his message was essentially I want the guys that are here to start fucking doing something like, you know, you're going to ask me, what do I want the Red Sox to do at the deadline? Like, do we need a reliever? Do we need a first baseman? Do we need a right fielder? Do we now need a starter? How about the guys that are here doing their fucking jobs? How about the the guys that are here picking up the slack? Like the Red Sox are not as bad as they played over the last two games, 14 to one, 13 to two. They're not that bad. They're playing terrible baseball. And I think that they have some areas that they need to address. But this is what I was saying after the the loss on what day is today? Sunday. Yep. The loss on Sunday is now I'm kind of fearful that as we've been looking to this trade deadline for the last six weeks, whatever, however long it's been and being like, yeah, they need a couple of right handed relievers. Maybe they go get a first baseman with the Mariners winning 14 straight. The Orioles doing what they've been doing. Uh, The Guardians haven't really fallen out of it. And then you got Toronto, who you start the second half against. I mean, I I saw uh, fucking Doomsday Cotillo tweeted out the schedule. Once you get back, it's 13 straight games against teams with a winning record. And and the Guardians are one of them. The Blue Jays are one of them. Uh, You have the Astros mixed in there. I thought we were done with them, but apparently not. Uh, It's really like your whole rest of schedule. You have 38 of your remaining 69 games are against the AL East. And what you didn't mention, there's the Orioles Mm -hmm. who are a game and a half behind you and now have what feels like 
as much momentum as any team in baseball as everyone kind of rally around rallies around a team that, you know, has not had anything going for them in a long time. Yeah. But what scares me about Alex Cora's comments uh, so much about guys, you know, on the team getting better is can you really expect some of these guys to improve at least in a way that's going to make a legit impact? You know, we're talking about Jackie Bradley Jr., 544 OPS a season. Since June 1st, 172, 214, 215. Do you know what a weight, his weighted runs created plus is? 16. What? That that's you can't even you can't excuse that. Like that's not he's 84% below league average as a hitter. That's insane. You have, you have Franchi Cordero who's 0 for 16, and he struck out 15 of those at bats in his last five games. Wow. Holy fuck. <laughs> you overexposed this guy when Devers went down and he had to start facing lefties. And guess wow. what? Someone who was fragile and couldn't hit beforehand, you know, consistently in the majors before this year, he's right back to what he was last year, if not worse. You're Jared Durant, he struck out 15 out of his last 16 at bats. Yes. Played appearances. <laughs> Played appearances. Played appearances. Yes. And we're talking Which about is worse, a guy because now he's not even walking. Right. Holy and th- th- that's fuck. the big difference for people who want to go and laugh and, you know, oh, you believed in Franchi Cordero. Well, he wasn't striking out like this. That was the whole point. Yeah. He had started to draw walks and make consistent contact. It's gone. So you combine that with Bobby Delbick at first base. You're getting now nothing out of the position when you were getting, you know, at least close to the league average. And then you have Jaron Duran, 14 Ks in his last 30 at bats. And the Red Sox told you how they felt about him in this series. You're not playing center field anymore. Yeah, you're moving to a corner. Yeah, and with Kiki Hernandez having a setback, it sounds now, worse than a setback. I I will say it seemed a little bit better though. You're and getting PRP not- injection in your hip when you were expected to be back like three weeks ago. Like that's not good. I mean, the PRP not injection great. can help for sure, but it that's like a fuck, man. Like what we were doing before is not working. Like let's throw a hail mary here. Like that's what that is. Exactly. And they're going to try to ramp him up now after the all-star break. Would I be surprised in a week if we see Kike Hernandez shut down for the season? No, nobody would be surprised. Yeah, like PRP so injections around. are what, what pitchers will get as a last, last ditch effort uh, in their shoulder before like surgery, like major surgery. Chris Sale. Yeah. You know, trying to do it. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at now two huge holes in the outfield. You're looking at first base where the way Franchi's playing, he can't even stay around. You can't strike out 15 out of 16 at bats. That's and then insane. You have Matt Strom, who's now on the IL. And Trevor Story. And Trevor Story, which plays a part in the series as well when you're talking about Jeter Downs being in the lineup every day, even though he's Garrett Cole's daddy, as we saw in this yes. last game. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the path to things getting better for a lot of these guys is just not It's hard Dang. to believe. I think Jaron Duran, maybe you can hope. But if I'm looking at first base and I'm looking at JBJ, I don't have much hope there right now. And then just like the extra shit fucking icing on the cake is the is Chris Sale. Like, I mean, I haven't even said I mean, like it feels like Chris Sale was the uh, like wait till Chris Sale comes back. Wait till Chris Sale comes back. Wait till Chris Sale comes back. And now it feels like we're stuck on a fucking island. And Chris Sale was like the rescue chopper. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, there it is. It's coming. It's going to save us. And then as it approaches, it fucking tailspins and crashes on the island with you. And you're <laughs> like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, legit. You're burning. You see your buddy's burning. 
And on top of it, you have Nick Pavetta, who has a 1350 ERA in his last three starts. Yeah. Two of them against the Yankees, though. He just can't get it done against the Yankees. I don't know what it is about Nick Pavetta and the Yankees, but I I don't have, I said it uh, on Saturday last or whatever pop. it was. Yeah, I was like, if the Red Sox played in a best of five or a best of seven against uh, the Yankees, I would put Nick Pavetta in the bullpen and figure it out. Like, but, I, I would not start Nick Pavetta. I don't care if he had like a like a 320 ERA in the whole season and he was one of your three best starters. I would still not start him against the Yankees. He's been that bad against them. Yeah. And now he's your number two starter, most likely for the rest of the year. <laughs> And you're hoping Michael Walker and Rich Hill, who are not going to be ready right when the All-Star break ends, they're around, you know, the following week at some point. Yeah. At this point, it feels like this is legitimately a way different team than the team that started the season. <laughs> like, this this roster is, like, almost incomprehensible. Uh, as it pertains to the Chris Sale thing, I wanted to give it a little bit of time to digest and see, you know, things that were coming out, reports and things of that nature uh, before I kind of had a take on it. But still, I feel like it would. I would be surprised if we saw him again this year. I mean, like it's a fracture. If, if it was a if it was dislocated, you pop it back in, you maybe miss a week or two, whatever you get back out there. But the fracture to me. Uh, on his pitching hand, it feels like, could he come back? Sure. I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor. It just feels like you better prepare for the rest of the season without Chris Sale. And it's like, dude, I mean, we've prepared for the last fucking three years without Chris Sale. Like, it's it's been, uh, it feels like we've been stuck in wait for Chris Sale mode since the end of 2019. And we are now in 2022. Um, I'm not ready to have the debate about where does the Chris Sale contract rank in terms of the worst contracts ever in Red Sox history? Like it, because most of it, it's you know, Tommy John surgery and then the fucking rib thing, and then, you know now you have this, and it's like Jesus Christ, the dude is just, it's such bad luck with with the injuries. Um, but that's why I'm kind of what I was starting to say earlier about the trade deadline. Um, you know, you went from Maybe you go out and get a couple of right-handed relievers. You know, maybe you do that. Maybe you explore a trade for a first baseman. Now, and I'm not trying to put bad negative energy out there, but the idea of selling off pieces is not 0%. Like you were the top wildcard team a week ago. And now you're out of a playoff spot. There's other teams that are just blowing past you. So it's not even a matter of, uh, you know, you're, you're, a ha- like the, you're a half game out of the last playoff spot and you might be able to b- battle back. Like now just other teams are passing you too. Um, so I, I'm not saying sell. I know that some Red Sox fans were saying, all right, now you got to sell because of this, this one game and, and the Chris Sale injury. Um, but to me, instead of sell... It's now become your list of things that you need to address. If you're not going to sell, if you're going to buy, your list of things we need to address at the deadline just got even longer because now Chris Sale's probably going to be out for a while, if not for the rest of the year. Yeah, and if you're if you're buying, you I think you have to consider like what is the ceiling of this team because are you buying to like win a like a playoff series? 
it, like it, do you think Heimbloom is see that's the thing and I that's what scares me. Heimbloom isn't going to push chips in or a significant amount of chips just to win one playoff series. Yeah, I don't think you should either. Like no. you should if you're buying, you should be buying because he thinks that you it puts you over the top to be like a legitimate contender. I don't I think that this team has too many holes and too many flaws to be considered a legitimate contender and we haven't seen them play with any consistency uh like sustainable consistency through the first half where I would be like, this team is capable of being a true contender. So I don't think that they should buy. Yeah, I think they're in a weird spot. I think where they are right now, depending on what happens in the next week, it feels very 2014 to me, where a lot of the moves you're going to make, uh, you're going to trade key pieces, a la John Lester, you know, maybe Nate Evaldi in this sense, and you're going to look to get controllable pieces, Yoenis Cespedes, right, yeah. stuff like that, where, you know, Alan Craig, Joe Kelly, where you're trying to basically build for, you know, you'll still be competitive, not really competitive, but it'll be more thoughts towards the future. And you won't see Bloom pushing in chips because realistically, where they are right now, those guys that got you through June and May, they've fallen off. Sharon Duran was one of your biggest spark plugs in June. Franchi Cordero coming in, major spark plug. Like as those guys kind of fall off, you're in a really tough spot. Yeah. And I, it's just where is that production going to come from? And I have a hard time believing either one of those guys is going to give you enough to kind of keep your head above water here, especially when your rotation now, like you can stay afloat with AAA arms for a month down the stretch. You're seeing what happens in those spots. Can you expect Cutter Crawford and Josh Winkowski to cover these innings? Doesn't look pretty. And also it's, it's kind of a catch 22 now because you're at the all-star break right now. You just entered the break. It's the unofficial second half. There's a little less than a half of a season left. You've seen these teams like the Mariners and the Orioles. You can have a good two, three weeks and you're right back in this thing. But the next two weeks after the schedule resumes are all against winning teams. So it's not like you have a soft landing on the other side where it's like, hey, man, like it's like the SpongeBob meme. Like you're just you're, you're getting a breather. To get to the all-star break, like, thank God we're at the all-star break. Whew. Yeah, but yeah, but even if you have a good two weeks on the other side of the all-star break, even if you have a good two weeks against against good teams, what have you seen through the first half that makes you think that it's going to extend beyond the two weeks? They're going to have a great two weeks, and then the next two weeks are just going to be them undoing the great two weeks. That's just what this team has been through the first half. Yeah, unless, I mean, it, unless the right moves are made, like... They haven't had a first baseman this year. They haven't had a right fielder. Uh, now, I mean, you because of the Kike thing and Duran falling off, you don't have a center fielder. Like, what the fuck? Like this team and and when we were with like the uh, the Yankee guys, they were saying it at Fenway with the, during the the Fenway Yankee series. They were like, "Yeah, you did." The Red Sox are doing what we did last year. They're just putting a bunch of guys out of position and hoping that it works, and it doesn't. It does not work. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Heim Bloom has his has his work cut out for him, and it kind of makes you wonder going into twenty twenty two, were the Red Sox trying to win a championship this year at all? Because you look at the roster construction, and there are a lot of questions that I'm not sure we ever got answers for. Like, did you think that you were good at first base? 
between like the the Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero combo. Like, did you think that we were all set there? Don't like, forget Travis Shaw. Yeah, like and Travis you Shaw, Franchi in that conversation. And at the same time, I'll give credit to Heim for finding John Schreiber. He wasn't on your opening day roster. You were sitting there banking on Matt Barnes. Like where you've lucked into some of these guys who've kind of stepped up and given you like production, like Franchi Cordero, why you did show an importance with the poison pill contract in terms of keeping him around um, after you originally DFA'd him during the postseason run last year. But you got lucky that some of these holes got plugged and that's where the frustration is. It's like, you know, the Mariners were aggressive. They went and got Carlos Santana. They said, hey, we're going to go grab a piece here. We're going to try to fulfill some of these holes while we're struggling because we, you know, we want to give this team a chance. And by the way, when teams do that, with like that that team, I mean, I, I'm blanking on like an exact name and team example, but we've seen this before where some team will go out. Oh, oh uh, Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman uh, to the Astros last year. It was super early. It was like way before the trade deadline. The Astros were actually playing the Mariners at the time, which is why like Mariner fans are like, what the fuck, dude? Like we just had this awesome comeback victory against Houston. Seattle had a chance to really actually make the playoffs for the first time since 2001. And then the Mariners traded Kendall Graveman, a really good relief pitcher, to the Astros, the team that they were currently playing and battling in the division and the wild card and the whole deal. Uh, And Graveman ended up being a really good piece for Houston. And they just went out and got him. And you see Carlos Santana go to uh, the Seattle Mariners. Like, look at the Mariners were like, hey, that thing that the Astros did last year, let's try that. Like let's let's get out in front of the market and and address our needs now. It's it's almost like when you're in fucking high school and you you wait until the last minute to write your paper when it's due the next day. Like what is the point of that? Like if you just go out and do it early, like you really you, you can address it right away. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, number one, you can beat the prices because like the, the the market tends to adjust based on deals that are made closer to the trade deadline. If you get out in front of that, you can you can get get guys on the cheap perhaps number two like if you're the red sox or if you're a team like the red sox and you strike early you can prevent a slide like this like you if you if you are in contention and you go out and you are quick to pull the trigger on a move you may mitigate the chances of that flaw continue continuing to bite you in the ass and take you further out of contention like now we look at the red sox and we're like is it even fucking worth it to go out and and make a splash or or plug some of these holes and, and buy like that that probably wasn't any on anybody's mind a month ago because you, you 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 didn't fix anything and now you're in a much worse position and that's where the blame falls on Heim Bloom it's like you know you left multiple holes to start the year that you thought were going to be filled by Tristan Cassis you know stepping up. Uh, in terms of the bullpen, whether it was Matt Barnes rebounding or you thought maybe one of the AAA arms was going to grow into that bullpen arm, Cutter Crawford, you know, stepping up in spring training at that time, really not working. Um, eventually, you just got to go and admit, hey, this didn't work. Instead, Haim has kind of just sat back and he's been like, all right, let, let's just see what happens. OK, well, you saw what happened. You got hot for a little bit. You were able to ride it. And then as it cooled down, as it came down, you sat on your hands. I feel and like that's, that's the theme of this team is just, uh, this year's team is just, well, let's see what happens. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> that's frustrates very me. much the theme because Xander Bogarts doesn't deserve that. Nate Valdi, JD Martinez, these guys don't deserve that. 
Uh, and really, a lot of those guys, you know, not Nate and Nate Valdi mostly because he missed a month. But those have been the guys carrying this team. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez. They're the ones constantly stepping up for you. Um, and, you know, when they kind of cool off or they go through a stretch, I know J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts aren't really hitting power right now. Um, you know, these things kind of fall into effect. And, you know, the Red Sox they have the fourth worst way to runs created plus an OPS in the American League. And they have, have the... Uh- we got to have the, uh, the the show Twitter account just start pumping out graphics like uh, that look very official, like like official Red Sox graphics. And it just says, like, fuck it. Let's see what happens <laughs> for the second half. Th- that's what it feels like, though, when you're watching Franchi Cordero, Bobby Dahlbeck, like balls just skipping by these guys on a regular basis. And when your rotation has the worst ERA of any in baseball this month, it's just bad defense, bad offense and bad pitching. Is that good? Unfortunately, I hope you're sitting for this. It's very bad. Mm. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know how you look at the Red Sox right now and feel great because you're going to need multiple guys to wake up and get hot for this to turn around. Is it impossible? No. But you're. I think instead of depending on the same guys who are most likely not to turn it around, if you were going to make a move, it should be now. But there's a lot of things pointing in the opposite direction. And now Chris Sale is the biggest one. Yeah, it's just I don't want to say it's too much to overcome, but you're 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 approaching there because then because then you obviously get the people that are like, oh, you're excuse making. Like, look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They have 17 guys on the injured list and they just swept your ass in four four games. Like, what's their excuse? Like, what's your excuse for not taking a, a, a game against them? So every team has their injuries besides the Yankees. They just fucking not only do they have like a full healthy roster, but now they're getting like Loisica, like they're getting guys back that were hurt and now like they're healthy. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not at the point where I'm like the season's over. Um, I know some people are there, but I kind of where I am now is what's, what's the point, yeah. you know, like it is somewhere in between there. Like the What's goal the and the season's over. It, it's Boston. Like the goal is not to get the third wild card and just get dusted in, in the wild card round and say, Oh, you know, it's, it was a successful season. Cause we got there. It's like, ah, eh, you got a, you got a playoff spot that didn't exist until this year. Like I, I don't consider that a success. Like obviously the division is what it is. Every team in the AL East has a winning record. Uh, the division, the Yankees clinched that in like mid May, so it, it really was wild card or bust for a majority, if not all of this season. Um, so I, I didn't think that there was any shame in winning a wild card spot because you're not chasing the first place Yankees. You're chasing the best record in baseball. And the Red Sox, we can all sit here and admit, even before all this shit happened, we're not a best record in baseball type team. So you can be realistic with yourself and say, hey, this is going to be another wild card year if you're going to get in and we'll see what happens. We'll roll the dice. But now what does roll the dice even fucking mean? Does that mean Josh Winkowski in game three of a playoff series? Like you're going to go Nate, you're going to go Pavetta and then fucking Winkowski or is it Cutter Crawford? Is is he making playoff starts now for this team? So those are questions that Bloom is going to have to ask himself over the next couple of weeks here. And if the answer is maybe it would be smarter for the organization moving forward to sell off some pieces that can help you because not not to get all doom and gloom here, but Buster only had that report that, you know, he doesn't think Bogarts is going to resign and he doesn't think the Red Sox are going to pay Devers. 
Like, what the fuck does this team look like? You're, you're not going to have a shortstop. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to, like, Carlos Correa is going to opt out from the Twins. You're going to pay him f- fucking $35 million, but you won't pay Bogarts, whatever he's asking. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's a fucking disaster, man. Like, I, I'm obviously looking at this team this year, but I'm also stressed out about next year already. Like, what is that team going to look like if this team doesn't have a right fielder, doesn't have a first baseman, doesn't have a center fielder. You're still going to have those problems next year. Plus, you're not going to have a shortstop. Kike is not going to come back. You're not going to have a DH like JD's up. You're not going to have, I mean, if Chris Sale's done or whatever the fuck, and you can't you can't depend on Chris Sale to be an ace, then Nathan Avaldi's up too. He's your fucking uh, game one starter of a playoff series. So this team has so many problems, so yeah. many problems. And I don't think that not only one trade deadline can fix, but I don't think that one offseason can fix either. Like where for for as as smart I give Heim Bloom all the credit in the world as smart as he is. What is the direction of this organization from now through the end of next year? Like, what is the goal? What's the what's the vision and, and what is the philosophy? Well, I think that that's a product now of like where this team is that like there is no this year and next year like anymore. And now it's all one big thing like the, this next calendar year or 365 days is all one thing because like this team, I mean, we've talked about it. I, I don't think that they're going to compete. I don't think they're seriously going to contend. So now you have to look at the second half of this season as like a well, like we're finding out we're evaluating and we're making decisions for not just this year, but also next year. And like, we're finding out who's going to work here and who is not going to work here. And you make uh, transactional decisions based on that because you're not making decisions specifically and solely for this year. It doesn't make any sense given the spot that you're in. So now it becomes a longer term vision. And unfortunately there are, massive question marks that you you can't really answer until the Devers and Bogart situation is resolved. It, and like that's the biggest issue I've had with time like over the you know past year plus why is there no eagerness or no aggressiveness to lock up long-term pieces? Like I understand you can't sign everybody to a long-term contract. That's not how it works. But when you have your two franchise cornerstones, the leader and the best player on your team, completely up in the air. Okay, well, do you have other foundational pieces you can depend on? Trevor Story is the first one. Center field and right field, completely wide open. First base should be Tristan Cassis. Christian Vasquez is going to be gone. What are you going to do at catcher? Are you going to roll out Connor Wong next year? Like I love Kevin Pawecki, but he's in a buck fifty. Like and he can't throw a runner out. Let's be real. Uh, you know he he's not going to be here next year. Um. You know, is it Wong and Hernandez? And, you know, I like Hernandez. Can he catch at the big league level? Probably not. Uh, right now, he can hit. We know that. But there hasn't been enough emphasis on, you know, s- certifying your future. You got Alex Verdugo here. Great. He's in the midst of a down year himself. Um, and it just, it feels like there's been a lack of a plan. And they're kind of, you know, last year, I understand. Wait and see. You're past that point. This year is not supposed to be that. You had the pieces and we've seen that you can compete with other teams in this league, especially the American league where, you know, we're seeing the highest level of baseball in the American leagues. You can, but you chose not to put those resources in there. 
okay, I could understand if you had other options that were supposed to fill holes, plans that you were hoping guys would step up. You don't have outfielders coming to step up. I like Jaron Duran. I really do. I don't believe he's anything more than a left fielder at this point. I think he's a left fielder and you hope he can hit enough. Is he a natural and second baseman? Originally, yeah. And he transferred to center center field. We see, all, we see him in right. We saw the ball he dropped today. Yeah, he made a diving grab. He could have caught it standing up. Let's be real. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to be mean, but like that's the reality of it. Um, well, unfortunately, it seems like second base might be a fucking position that's open soon. And that's the other thing. And you have like what Christian Arroyo, Jeter Downs. Like I like Jeter Downs. He wasn't hitting a triple A. Uh, you know, he needs time down there to kind of figure it out. That's why I keep saying like you look at this deadline right now. While your farm system's top 10 and you're in a good spot. You don't have young foundational pieces yet. There, a lot of those guys, especially on the position side, are years away. You know, the Nick Yorks of the world that you kind of want to focus on and start to dream about. You know, they, number one, Nick York hasn't had a great year, but they need to get to the upper levels of the minors. You need some of those answers. And that's why I say I think the 2014 kind of trade deadline is your best path for that. You know, what's crazy you know, you sh- about this ownership group in particular is they're almost operating like they're new here. They've been here since 2002. Yeah, it has that feel in it. And it they're operating like they just they don't they're new here and they don't quite get how this fan base works. So, let me just explain to you John Henry, Tom Warner. I mean Larry's not even on the same planet anymore. I, <laughs> he's just not. Uh this is more of a, a John and Tom thing. Uh if you were to pull the trigger on a Xander Bogart's trade at the trade deadline, or what they'll probably do is they'll they'll let him walk, but they'll make some like half-ass attempt to sign him and then say that they tried, kind of like what they did with Damon, like they did with Le- I mean, like See, which is even more garbage because if you are gonna pay Xander Bogart, you need to know the answer to that today. You should have known the answer to that last offseason. Correct. But if you're sitting here and you're in the middle and you can't make that decision, you failed. Because if he walks away for nothing, that is a major failure. Especially given what's going on right now. So if like this organization, like the, these fans are smart baseball fans, even if they don't like the result, they can understand it if it makes baseball sense. At least some of them. If you, given the circumstances right now, don't trade Xander or you let him walk, but you make some half-ass attempt to sign him just to say that you tried, knowing that you had no intentions of signing him anyway, and then you do move story to shortstop, and then you just put some slap dick at second base. Like, I understand the goal is to win a championship, but you're running a business here. Like you want people to tune in and watch the games. You want people to buy tickets and go to your ballpark. You want people to buy merch. You want people to be happy when they go to your ballpark and buy beer and whatever. And I don't think that they quite understand because I feel like they've gotten away with it so many times. Like even even something as little as like the Don Orsillo thing. And I mentioned that quote on the last podcast about how like John Henry was like, wait, you guys still care about that? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, I I just feel like they've gotten away with this so many times um, where it's like, yeah, you know, we uh, we didn't re-sign John Lester. He did go to the Cubs and he was a big reason why they won a World Series with him. But 
we won in 2018. So it all worked out. Everything's fine. And now you've had, you know, the, the Mookie Betts trade was a was a difficult pill to swallow. Uh but then you got two games from the World Series the following year. So it's like, hey, look what we got over here. I know it sucks to not have Mookie, but look at us. We almost got to the World Series. That's pretty fun, right? And I just, I, I get that philosophy of sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. Sometimes you have to move on from the player or players that the fans love because it's a baseball decision and it's what's best for the organization. And, you, you know, it's the Bill Belichick approach. You can't fall in love with your players because that's how you cost yourself championships in the future. Well, guess what? On the on the subject of Rafael Devers, and I said this on the last podcast, if you're not going to pay him, who are you going to pay? There's not another player on planet Earth, on planet Earth, who's as talented as him, as young as him, who has also proven that they can perform in Boston. Like those three boxes to check, if you are able to check all three of those, right? Just for the sake of argument, let's say top, fair, unfair, top three player in the American League, top five, top five player in the American League, check. Under the age of 30, he's 25 years, 25 or younger, check, can perform in Boston. Let's throw in a bonus caveat. Has already won a fucking World Series in Boston, check. And now we're going to have doubts about whether or not we're going to pay that guy? What the Any fuck are you, you get, talking about? And they're going to try to sell you like, oh, we got like a really great player in return if they do trade him or whatever. Any player that you're getting in return, you're hoping is even nearly as good as as Rafael Devers. Unless like it's, it's one Soto coming back, right. which it ain't. That's the only solution that you can be like, and, listen, and, I know and, we weren't able to keep Rafael Devers, yeah. but boom, Juan Soto, baby. That's not happening either. Right. No. Because you're going to you're going to have to pay somebody eventually and you're going to have to pay them a lot of money. Even if like even if you get a great player in return for Rafael Devers. You're going to have to pay that player eventually. And this ownership group, for some reason, does not want to pay great players when they're already here and they already look like they work here. It's crazy. It's it's you. I mean, you were talking about like the fact that uh, that they they're kind of like tone deaf, the, the ownership group. It's one thing to make baseball decisions that are tough to swallow, but like will eventually get you to a better place or a more sustainable place. And that's sort of what they have been pitching us in, in several occasions before. And that's why fans eventually come around. The thing to me is making those baseball decisions that not only make the entertainment value significantly worse, but then they follow it up by Seemingly undermining fans' intelligence and with, yeah, with players and treating that can't them do anything right and treat them like they're fucking idiots, and that is possibly the more infuriating element. Like I, I'm totally cool with like I, I, I don't want to say like I'm totally cool, but like we we've, we've watched the Patriots. The Patriots have let so many beloved players go, and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? Why why do we have to like? Why do we have to operate like this? Why can't we keep the guys that we like that, that are good? And you question them. But never once has it ever felt like Bill Belichick has been like, 
undermining any fan's intelligence. He's just like, this is the business. This is the way that it is. You may not like it right now, but it's going to end. It's going to end up working out. And like it, it, he just doesn't fucking treat you like a dumbass child. I, and, I, and that's like that. That I think is like you have to understand your market and Boston fans are cutthroat. They want to win all the time, but they're understanding if they think that there's a vision. And then oftentimes it doesn't feel like there's a vision for the Red Sox. No. And, and I think where the Patriots and the Red Sox are different is, you know, the Red Sox are spending money. They're, they're over the luxury tax right now. It, it just feels like they've tried to outthink the room in certain spots. And I, I think that's what it is. Whether you want to talk about, you know, right and first base and how they handle those situations. Let's talk about the money they've handed out. Jake Diekman, absolute disaster. He's one of the worst relievers in baseball. Sick of seeing him out there. Four more earned runs today. ERA is finally catching up to the FIP. It's just resources weren't spread out the right way this offseason. And I, I do think the Red Sox thought they were filling holes the right way or at least giving them something to hold to the deadline. It's just reality is they weren't. Like a lot, Heinblum just had a lot of misses. Yeah, and, I mean, like, and the Patriots comparison doesn't really work super well either because there's a cap in football it, and it, you have to manage your money and like the Red Sox are fucking a big market team that prints money. And the Patriots, you never look at players and saw them doing things where you were like, what the fuck are they doing? Like Franchi Cordero trying to play first base. You know, the Rob Refsnyder incident in right field. Jaron Duran attempting to play the outfield. Yeah, why don't we you try know, Sony Michelle at quarterback this year? That see, seems like it could work. And that's where I get a little frustrated because it just feels like you don't have to do this. You don't have to make things this hard on yourself. And this team, just by simply taking the easy route and taking some safe decisions, would have gone a long way. It also feels like when they do make mistakes, they're not willing to admit it. It takes them a long time to kind of go and say, all right, this isn't working. And this year, it feels like a lot of those holes, they still aren't owning up. Even like with the first base stuff. Yes, Haim, I know. Like, Franchi Cordero, his baseball savant page looks good, right? It's still not enough. And I I understand what you like there. The defense was atrocious. Bobby Dubick is not good enough. Neither of them are good enough as a platoon to supply you there. Like, you can admit when something's not working and say you want to upgrade there. And no one's holding your hands tied saying you have to do it the day before the deadline. It's just, it feels like this is a very content front office right now with the way things went last year and how they're going this year. And I think a lot of it is they see the money freeing up at the end of the year. And we're looking at a front office that with Heim Bloom, he's going to get to put his hands on the entire roster. And it feels like they're building closer and closer to that as the days go, which sucks because you have core pieces in Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers that could give you a great window in the coming years, but it's not appreciated. It's obviously not respected enough. And we've seen that through contract talks. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at like the the free agents and it's like, all right, first base, Jose Abreu, he's 36. Josh Bell, who I like, he's going to be 30. Um, so let's Mancini. say Tristan Cass is your first baseman next, next year. Okay. All right. So let's now say that's the let's plan. look at second base. Fucking nothing. <laughs> like there's nothing. You want Jed Lowry? He's going to be 39. You want Rugnet Odor? He's going to be on his fifth team in the last five years. Like, like even that, like if you told me at the beginning of the year, their plan was, OK, let's wait on Xander Bogarts and see what happens with Nick York. Nick York hasn't got out of, you know, high A this year. He's stuck there struggling. So it's not like you have someone who's on the verge of coming up right now. You need foundation position players on this roster. If you want to say the rotation, 
you know, we're going to let the young arms come up and just let them do their thing. You need help there, but I could comprehend it. I just don't know where you're at from a position player standpoint right now. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a core that you can depend on for the next three years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tough spot. <clears throat> it's a tough spot. And there's uh there's no perfect way to transition into this. The action never ends in DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll tell you that though. Especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Uh, I actually would love to be able to throw some money down on Julio Rodriguez. I picked Kyle Schwarber. By the way, I'm, I'm going to get into a Schwarber rant in about two seconds after this. Um, Kyle Schwarber is my pick for the Derby, but uh, there's some really good value with Julio Rodriguez at plus 1,000 to win this thing on Monday night. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever the fuck you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Carabas. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That is promo code Carabas only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Uh, I can't bang this drum super hard because I wasn't like, what the fuck are we doing here? Because I mean, when Kyle Schwarber signed with the Phillies, I think the deal, MLB Trade Rumors does a really good job at ballparking what they think guys are going to get in free agency. And the Phillies, I think, blew way past what was projected Schwarber was supposed to get as a free agent. So I get it if the Red Sox were like, ah, you know, we want him back, but you know, not we have our options. Like JD's still at DH, and we like what Bob did in the second half, and we'll see what Franchi can do. Like there was still enough, like what if maybe. Um, but now looking back, uh, that seems like a big miss. Well, that's exactly the conversation we're having. It's having long term, or you know, at least a couple years, knowing what your core is. It's those guys. And, and that's where my question is, where you could have had Kyle Schwarber here. You could have dealt J.D. Martinez if you wanted to go that route. You should have dealt Bobby Dahlbeck when he had some real value. And Kyle Schwarber, if you're going to fucking suck at first base defensively, at least have someone who's hitting 30 bombs right now, who's going to the home run derby, who's been one of the better hitters in the NO. Have a guy who knows how to work in at bat so you don't have the worst fucking chase rate in all of baseball the first month of the season as you try to relearn your approach. Have a guy like that that can kind of fill those needs. Someone who could, oh, wait, Tristan Cassis is ready, say, in September, could go out and play the outfield for you. So you have a little versatility and maybe move Alex Verdugo back to right field. And you have, you know, some different answers here. You had every reason to do something that would have helped you in the moment and long term. And you ignored it. I think MLB Trade Rumors had it like 460. And he ended up getting about 480 from the Phillies. Like you have to be aggressive sometimes. You have to be willing to take a little bit of a risk. And I think we saw that with Trevor Story. But I think ultimately we only saw it with Trevor Story is because they got to the end of the offseason and realized, oh, fuck, we didn't get a bat to replace somebody. And I love Trevor Story as much as the next guy. He's been a below league average bat this year. And it's okay because you could have got Trevor Story and you could have got Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. You could have got both of those guys. Yeah, I think we we still found would have found a way to bitch about it. Like Schwarber's defense at first base 
But I think Schwarber's bat would have. And this is the argument that I made with Maz. And he kind of like caved on it too. I don't even think he knew what he was even arguing about. I was like, in the second half of last year, did Kyle Schwarber win more games with his bat than he lost you with his defense at first base? Easily. Okay. So I think we could have swallowed our pride with the first base defense that Kyle Schwarber would have been able to bring to the table there. And who knows? Maybe he does this little thing called improving. Maybe he would have, as he got more reps over there, improved at first base. Who knows? Uh, But now it just kind of seems like a miss what he's been doing offensively. He's hitting the shit out of the ball. Does that save the season? No. I mean, you're you're not knocking on the door first place, but maybe you're not out of a playoff spot right now. Maybe, I mean... You know, you lose these games 14 to 1 and 13 to 2. Does Kyle Schwarber help you uh, win those games that you lost? No, probably not. But we're talking about the bigger picture here. And if you do lose these games 14 to 1, 13 to 2, that'll happen. Like, you know, sometimes you get your ass beat. That'll happen over the course of a big league season. But are you going into the break out of a playoff spot? That's that's a question that I think we could be asking ourselves. And I think it's a guy in Kyle Schwarber who knows how to play in Boston. Something that just, once again, I don't think it's talked about enough in the city. Someone who gelled with this city, who guys, people rallied around, even through yeah, the first base struggles. Local, local guy. Loves of Walter. course, of course. He grew up, I think, next door to you, Pete, or something that's like right. that. Yeah. Um, but th- that's the stuff. It's just there were solutions. And, you know, a lot of times people would say it's the easier route or, you know, oh, yeah, they could have easily done that. That's the stuff. It's just like if you were truly pushing your chips in to win this year and it wasn't going all the way, but it was enough to show that you cared about this core and that you wanted them to get a real shot, you would have done it. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing with Heim so far, like that's really sticking out to me. And while Dave, I think at times was too aggressive, Heim, really, you haven't been aggressive enough. And I think that's the kind of dividing line. And maybe Heim learns when, when he has to pull that trigger. Uh, maybe this is this year is a learning experience, you know, and everyone gets gun shy. Everyone wants to tout Dave Dombrowski. They forget in 2019 when he went and got Andrew Kashner and basically told you, he didn't believe that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people want to forget that when we talk about dealing Dave. OK, well, the last thing I want to see from Heim Bloom this year is that same bullshit because it ended up costing Dave Dombrowski his job when he went and got Andrew Kashner. And he kind of sat there in the middle and just kept it. You know, he didn't want to sell. So we sat there with a shit farm system and they ended the year and they realized, oh, oh, my God, the window's closing. Well, right now for this core, the window looks like it's starting to close a little bit because you have all these free agents. That's where Heim Bloom gets the kick in the ass. And it's, oh, we should sell these parts. So we have probably a top five farm system by the end of the season. Yeah. And Heim is ultimately going to get more flack than maybe he deserves because as it boils down to it, the ownership group is the ones that signs the paychecks. Like when when we talk about Bogarts and Devers and why didn't you sign this guy? Why don't you sign that guy? I'm sure Haim has his philosophies and um, maybe there are guys that he just sees more value in for less money. Whatever. Sure. Fine. But on the big deals, that's ownership. Like, There's no fucking philosophy that tells you not to sign 25-year-old Raphael Devers. Mm-hmm. And when Adrian Beltre said this week, oh, yeah, that guy, he's going to be better than me. Adrian Beltre, future Hall of Famer, telling you that. Yeah. David Ortiz said, who's the one guy that reminds me of me? Raphael Devers. Mm-hmm. 
Think about what you're doing. The guy who hit two home runs in this series, who we know is not fully healthy and he's still getting by. I just don't know. I don't know what justification there could be for not signing Devers. Like with Bogarts, and we said this there before. There isn't one. Yeah, with, with Bogarts, it's like, all right, it, he, he's 30. Maybe he's power's not going to be. decline for four years. Yeah, the power decline. Like maybe he's not going to be a shortstop by the end of that deal. Like you can say things like that. Fine, whatever. Like I, I still think he should be here. I still think that you should pay him. Great. But with Devers, what the fuck justification could you possibly say into a microphone to your fan base that everyone will be like, you know what? That kind of makes sense. All right, fine. Yeah, let's not pay this guy. Fuck him. Trade him. Especially, especially when we all know that if they don't resign him, they're going to spend a bunch of money in like a year or two later on a significantly worse player. And that's going to be like their their like plea deal. And, and, and that's the, it's just not appreciating. Like the Nationals can sit there and say, hey, we don't have anything really going for us right now. You know, we've rebuilt the farm up. Yes, we're on the way there. But guess what? We look at Juan Soto, who is probably the only young left-handed bat you can put ahead of Rafael Devers, and we're going to throw everything we can pretty much afford at him. And I don't even know that the I Nationals. Would do that. I don't even know that I would do that. For what do you mean, paying Juan Soto that money? No, I'm saying like I don't know that I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that Devers is better than Soto, but like if someone were to offer me, and, and this is all like you know, this is not a real trade, but if someone's like, all right, I'll trade you Juan Soto for Rafael Devers straight up, I don't know that I would do it. Is that crazy? No, that's not absurd. I, I do think Juan Soto is the better bat. Like I, I think we're, I think Rob, I think they're both going to be the top, some of the top players of their generation. Guys that we're talking about Hall of Fame candidates at the end. And if you have that guy in your organization already who's done it here, and I think Juan Soto could do it anywhere, there's no need. You pay Rafael Devers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but if the Nationals can go and recognize that when they can't spend the money you do, they're willing to throw that money at Juan Soto. It's so what? insulting. Like, What's your it's excuse? So insulting that, that you're the like, Boston and, Red Sox, and it's like really depressing that the Nationals continue to try to do that. Like they're like, okay, we don't have the most money, but we'll give you all of it, and all of Everything. their players are just like, ah, eh, no, no, not for me. <laughs> and the Red Sox are looking at their superstars and Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts and saying, eh, we're gonna give you none of it. So we yeah, we we print money, but uh, we don't have enough for you. I'm sorry. And that's just the problem because you've cost yourself money with Rafael Devers now. Like Rafael Devers, like it starts at three fifty, feels like it's going higher. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, are we talking three seventy five. Like we're getting higher and higher, and as you get higher and higher with the Red Sox, they were flinching it, at three hundred. It just feels like the Red Sox are like insistent on operating like the Tampa Bay Rays for no fucking reason. Like, I, I understand that the Rays are the way that they operate, like bang for your buck, maybe the best organization in baseball, just based on like, there's no way that they should have the the, the success and the sustainability that they've had for, for like the past however many years. But you don't need to operate like that. No, you can fucking dwarf the Tampa Bay Rays because you have cash and they do not. And also, and like, like, you, you ask smart, the question, you can make smart baseball decisions while also spending a lot of money. How many that, championships have the Rays won? None. <laughs> um, you know, they have got to two World Series, but I think the thing is like, they're not exactly acting the, like the Rays because they're willing to hand out some of that money. It's just they're not willing to go all the way to the Dodgers. And it's like, well, if you're going to have this model, why are you half-assing it? There's a, I mean, there's a big Commit. gap between the Dodgers and, and like everybody else. 
Of course, but like you know, even operate the like the right fucking now. Yankees. Like sure. the Yankees well, pay their players for yeah, the most even, part. And even you know, yeah, the Aaron Judge situation is up in the air right now. You just you got to be willing to push past it. And I think that's something people have been mad at the Yankees in recent years. Um, but you know, they were willing last year to push some of those prospects out to go get pieces. Did every deal work out for them? No, but they were willing to be aggressive. I think that's the problem we have right now, where we don't believe the packages the Yankees sent out for. Anthony Rizzo or Joey Gallo that the Red Sox are willing to do something similar this year. And I think that's why we say, well, instead of making those moves, and I think, you know, the Yankees sat there and kind of questioned them to some degree. And you can look back. They definitely made the Yankees a better team. The Red Sox aren't going to take that risk because they don't care to get knocked out in the first round. No, nor should they. they, they I mean, I don't want that to be the goal either. Like, I don't I don't care to improve the team so marginally that they're good enough to get there and then that's about it like i would rather just fucking call it a wash and just i'd rather see what you have for next year like i'd rather see i'd rather see them establish who and who is not going to be here next year than try to win a playoff series this year yeah jeez man the vibes were so much higher like a week ago so much <laughs> higher. they just Took two out of three against the Yankees or a, two, a split with the Yankees, but mm-hmm. took the final two. The vibes were so much higher. So much and higher. It's, it's weird how much it can flip because you're trailing the Blue Jays by two games. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but would anyone be surprised either if the Red Sox come out and play like fucking dogs this series and somehow tie the Rays or get ahead of them? Uh, and you're sitting here having this whole conversation differently. Yeah. It's just like. I mean, a week ago, we were like, oh, they, they, they can clearly compete with the Yankees. And then they've got like Chris Sale coming. You've got Evaldi coming back. You've Whitlock. Like, it was so optimistic. Yeah. I think, I, you know, the fashion in which you lost the last two puts a damper on things. The fact that you go into the break having still not won a series against an American League East team really puts a damper on things. Um, <clears throat> and the fact that you are now out of a playoff spot. That's all part of it. It's not just about losing the series. It's not about like getting blown out. It's where you are, big picture. And I think that first series against Toronto, let's say they come out of the gate and they sweep that. It's like, you're all right. Well, now you just leapfrogged a team and now you're back in a playoff spot. It still all comes down to what do they do with the deadline? Do they do enough? Do they not... Uh, do they just say fuck it and then they, you know, they they do what they did in fourteen? They start trading for for future pieces and they kind of like compete. It's like yeah, like this guy might be something for the future. Um, I don't know. You know like I, this I, roster doesn't really fit great, but you know you have a couple nice players here. You should be able to play like five hundred baseball. Yeah, it's not twenty twelve where you have fucking Moro Gomez playing first base trying to James Loney. I would James genuinely Lonnie. try to move out guys that you don't think are going to be here next year. Like, I, I hate to say it, and I, I don't even, it's frustrating to think about, but like, think about what Nate Evaldi would get you. He's probably like, I, I, I don't know if I'd put him past Luis Castillo, but is he the best option? Like for teams, if you're looking for a starter to be your number two guy down the stretch, it's Nate Evaldi and Luis Castillo. Mm. And, you know, would is it crazy? Like, look, think the Dodgers. Couldn't you picture Nate Evaldi going there and back being part of the picture? Anybody going and everybody back? going to the Dodgers because they just take everybody. And it's then him crazy. joining a playoff. They just signed like Hansel that. Robles. They want to be the Red Sox so bad. But that's the thing. Like, those are the things that piss me off because, yes, organizations like the Dodgers get what you do. 
You go and get these arms and you think you can turn them into something, but you have to do the other things the Dodgers do. You can't half-ass it in and only say, all right, well, yeah, we'll hand out one contract to Trevor Story. You need to figure out your core. You need to build around certain guys on this franchise. And that's where you're stuck again and again because you really haven't made any of those decisions. I'm going to make a decision to drink some Blue Moose tonight, though. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be drinking some Blue Moose tonight because baseball and beer, they go hand in hand. You already knew that, though. And Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor. Bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience every single time. Uh, We'll be drinking some Blue Moons. And I had some Blue Moons last night at dinner. It's perfect. It's a perfect little companion to your dinner. Perfect little companion for the home run derby. If anyone's going to be there on Monday, we're going to be there, Jake. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're going to be there. We drink a Blue Moon at the home run derby and the All-Star game. We'll be there as well. Um, From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel to a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color? A beer this good? It only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. What kind of a moon do we got tonight, Jake? I think it's full. We got a full moon tonight? I believe so. Holy shit! Oh, my God. You're getting a full moon from the chicks at that pool. (laughs) Yeah, we are. That party's still going? Still ripping. Ripping. (laughs) Jake, you get some sun this week or what? Yeah, do I look a little burnt? You look a little little toasty. Oh, I see it on the forehead. I mean, if I go outside for 10 minutes, I get burnt. So, look at this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Toasted. It's a tough look. Damn. Uh, Break out of your same beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one-of-a-kind beer every single fucking time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Golden, Colorado. Uh, I got a text message during the game from uh, Kirk Minahan uh, because he had his live show last night at the Wilbur and I had sent a video uh, that they played during the show the gist of it was like, hey, miss you guys. Wish I could be there, but I'm in L.A. <laughs> uh, I'd love to come back on the show sometime, but Dave's being a bitch and he won't let me. Big crowd pop. From what I've heard, I haven't seen the video, but a big crowd pop when I called Dave a bitch. And then I uh, I got a text from Kirk and he said, great video. Thanks for that. And I said, how'd the show go? And he said, how is Sale looking today? I feel like he's about to hit his stride. Shows were great. Went really well. <laughs> Pain. Uh, well, Kirk's a big Yankee fan. <clears throat> I will say the amount of people celebrating and dancing on Chris Sale today was pretty fucking lame. Yeah. Uh, and trying to act like this was some injury they saw coming. Yeah, it's like, like oh, he's like, so fragile. Oh, brittle Chris you're Sale. A fucking idiot. What was like, the, it was was the exit velo on that? 106.7. Just, yeah. How many people Magic in the comments could get smoked with 106.7 fucking... Uh, David Allen Boucher smoking yeah, a piss right. missile off their hand and they just be like shaking it off. Like, yeah, we're good. That didn't hurt that bad. 
Dude, yeah. Sw- swing in a drive. Yeah, he should have. He should have did more fucking pinky push-ups and in, in the gym, and then maybe he would have snapped like that on one hundred and six point seven off the bat from Aaron Hicks. Get the fuck out of here! Like you want to say, oh, the rib thing? Fine. Tommy John. Lots of pitchers have it. I'm not saying that you know Chris Sale's the model of health over here, but how many fuck? Like, you want to say that Chris Sale's fragile because he got hit in the fucking hand with a comebacker 106 off the bat? Someone in the comments I saw said, "Field your position." <laughs> what? <laughs> fuck off. Go. Maybe fuck if you yourself. knew how to field your position, then it wouldn't happen. This is fucking throwing hand. And on top of it, Chris Sale hits the ground, gets up before the plays even finish. Like, it wasn't like he was laying there. And then on top of it, he comes and sits in the dugout. What was the last time you saw a pitcher actually get nailed like that with an injury that you could like, you know, his pinky the way it was. And they were sitting in the dugout like two innings later. It's great. Like, he's a tough fuck, dude. And for where he's at right now, I, I don't know. I can't imagine how he feels. And then I saw some people saying like, you know, crying about the way he handled this post game. That he was like trying to have this like perspective, this whole world perspective. It's like, what do you want from him? You, you shit on him when he went nuts down in Worcester. But when he tries to act mature, when he sees the team around him collapsing and, you know, really one of their major hopes just fell by the wayside. And he's trying to be positive and say, you know, I'll be back. Like, we're going to figure this out. He, you can't win. And I think that's the big thing. It's like Chris Sale can't win with a lot of these people right now. And it's a shame because they're just going to use this as ammunition. Um but like it's a freak accident. It's truly a freak accident. I think that's why it hurts as bad as it does. Yeah. Out of uh, all I the just, fucking pitches that could have happened to, it had I to know. be Chris Sale in his second start since coming back. I just uh, I just googled David Allen Boucher and mm-hmm. he's retiring from Bedtime Magic. He or he just retired from Bedtime Magic. Think we can get him on the podcast? I think so because I <clears throat> I think I, I forget I made some sort of David Allen Boucher reference recently on Twitter and. He saw it and posted my tweet on his Facebook page. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you know that he's never shown his face to the public? Really? Yeah, never? I did not know that. I just found that out right now. Yeah, no he's one, never shown his so face. So that to can't the be his real name then. I mean, it could be, and people have just been respectful of in, his. No. In 2022, if you've never shown your face, you've been on radio for like 45 fucking years. 40 in, years. He's been on the radio for 40 years. He's been on four we'll decades. Like distinguishable voice. Yeah, and extremely oh, distinguishable. And uh, he has intentionally that. never shown his face to the public. Yeah, that can't be his real name. Though. That's crazy. You know how many people would love to expose David Allen Boucher's face? Yeah, probably a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a fucking now. guy. I'd love to have him on to talk baseball. I mean, I it's bedtime magic was a staple throughout my younger yeah, 100%. years. 100%. And that guy has the voice of a fucking velvet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a velvet king. Put you to sleep. David Allen Boucher, bedtime magic here. Magic 106.7. So I, I feel stupid. I wasn't done. I, I wasn't done. Oh, continue. I'm sorry. This is David Allen Boucher. Listen in bedtime magic. Magic one of six point seven. This one this is a little ditty by Cher. Cher. <laughs> Cher Cher had some bedtime magic songs. I'd say like like Enya. Just Enya. I mean Careless Whisper was definitely on bedtime magic. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. There's some there, I bet you you know what the thing about bedtime magic was that people didn't want to talk about? 
a lot of people were fucking the bedtime magic. Oh, well, they, don't, they didn't call it bedtime magic just for sleeping. Jared. Right. I thought poor innocent Jared when I was in elementary school, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw in some bedtime magic to kind of set the vibes to go to sleep. Meanwhile, lo and, little did I know people were fucking the bedtime magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jake's, All right. Jake's takes. Uh, honestly, just kind of wish I was dead. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Jake's the best. Jake's the best. He's had some fucking great one-liners this trip. He's been cracking just me up Nobody a lot. makes every word count more than Jake. <laughs> There's uh there's been a there's been a few times that Jake's just had some some one liners this trip and I've I've laughed really hard. I think I was crying the other day. I forget what the fuck he said, but I was like crying laughing. What did you say? What were we talking about? Uh <laughs> I mean we had a we had a couple good ones at the airport. Yeah, the airport, uh some of the Ubers, uh the pool party on the roof. Yep. Yeah, there's been some <laughs> just a very casual. I wish I was dead. Honestly, I just wish I was dead. Uh by the way, uh people are asking about the YouTube. We're uh we're getting the the new streaming video platform next week. Yeah. Next week. Uh and then we'll we'll have the podcast back on YouTube. And then when we have that, then we can actually start promoting the podcast on social media so we can have the clips again. <clears throat> uh, so that's right around the corner. Just in time for the second half for the red hot motherfucking Red Sox playoff push. Playoff tickets are on sale. RedSox.com slash tickets. Um, plenty of seats available for October. Get ready. Because here comes the fucking pain train. It's called the Boston Red Sox. You don't want none of this. Again, that is redsox.com slash tickets to get your playoff tickets for this 2022 motherfucking Boston Red Sox juggernaut team coming to a playoff series near you. Again, redsox.com slash tickets. Pete? Jared, <laughs> you uh, what you got going on tonight, huh? What time is it over there? It is uh, ten forty-four. Oh, damn! On a Sunday? On a Sunday? Wow! So that you're probably not going to do anything tonight. Me and Jake are going to go fucking party, dude. We're in L.A. It's only seven forty-four here. Bunch of wild parties just waiting for us to show up, and it's going to be crazy. Yeah, just just Facetime me and bring me out. I mean, I might just go to this pool party across the street. Seems like a good time. I haven't, I haven't seen anything, but seeing you guys just watching it, wishing that you were over there, is really just giving me some life. Yeah, there's, there's this chick over, over here, and she's in a, she's in like a pink bikini, and she's got a couple of bongos on her. <laughs> Are they real? Or? Uh, I don't LA know. is, uh, is quite famous for. Can you tell from this distance? Do you have that ability? Yeah, I do. Sometimes. Uh, Depends how bad the surgeon is. <laughs> I think they're real. I think so. 
I think I think Jake was just straight up locking eyes with somebody having a much better time at the pool party mm-hmm. when he was like, I literally I just wish I was dead. A lot of dudes in T-shirts in the pool right now. Oh, that's that's I mean, to each their own, but mm-hmm. it's never great. Mm-hmm. Tarps off. Tarps off before you go in the pool. Yep, pop the tops, baby. Um is there anything else you wanted to hit on? I mean, I have nothing to say about that. I mean, we I feel like we just spent like the whole podcast talking about an overview of the franchise instead of actually breaking down the series. But who the fuck wants to talk about those last two games? <clears throat> yeah, I'd rather not. Yeah. I mean, the Schreiber home run from uh, off the the Joey Gallo homer off Schreiber shocked me genuinely. I think that's Charity Homer. What? Charity Homer. Oh. Yeah. I re- John Schreiber can't give up a home run to Joey Gallo. Yeah, no, that can't happen. Um, that was the only thing that really got an emotional response out of me other than Chris Hale dying, but which we covered that. We covered Chris Hale. Uh, Franchi being over for 16 with 15 strikeouts. Yeah. Touched it. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's nothing. Nick Pavetta sucking against the Yankees. That's a thing. I just, uh, it is what it is. Hey, congrats to Jeter Downs. First big league home run. That was cool. In Yankee Stadium. I'm sure that that was pretty special. Yeah. Um, other than that, I I really could not care less to dive into those last two games. You got your ass beat. You got embarrassed. And now you get a limp into the all-star break. Not in a playoff spot. <clears throat> knowing what's on the other side. And that's... Uh, I don't want to call it a gauntlet, but um, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be no coming up for air. Like, who's the next shit team that the Red Sox get to play? Oh, yeah, the Brewers are in there, too. It's the Brewers, the Guardians, the Astros, and the Blue Jays. Uh, I think the next shit team they play is the Royals, maybe? That's correct. Okay. So, yeah, hang with them until uh, you get to that Royal series. And if they don't sweep that, holy fuck. Um. Final thoughts? Anybody? <sighs> this is the season? This Cocks ne- are these- soft. Wow. Just big, soft cock energy. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. My take, I, I think the next, probably really the Blue Jays series, if you can't get it out, anything going there, then you kind of point in the whole direction this podcast went. Um, but it's do or die. So wake up or die. Shit could get really interesting and entertaining in the second half if this continues down this road because we're gonna have we're gonna have some 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 time to fill. We're gonna have some air to fill without being just debilitatingly depressed for an entire half of the year. So, mm. for some reason, that tends to happen when I'm on the podcast. Just need to get real weird because this team is not worth talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy the party. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess me and Jake are just gonna go to this pool party. I don't know. So, can you like make sure J- uh, Jake's wearing floaties? Because I think he's gonna try to drown himself. <laughs> 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 I won't let that happen to Jake. I'll let that happen. Um, all right. Enjoy 
your all-star break. Enjoy your time away from this godforsaken team and all the horrible things that have happened in the first half of this year. June was great, though. June was great. Uh, I was actually going to look this up. I probably won't, but I, I probably won't tweet it. But tonight when I go back to my hotel room, I think I'm, I'm going to look up what the Red Sox record is if you take away June. It can't be good. It can't be I good. I think it's in someone's column. One of the Boston Globe writers put it in there it's probably today. Shaughnessy. Fuck. It's got to be like 20 games under, under 500. He had about 40 questions for Chris Sale today in the post game as well. I'm detailing sure. every second after the ball hit him and what was going through his mind. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. Um, all right. Enjoy the Derby and the All-Star game. And uh, we'll see you in the second half. Reacting to Red Sox, Blue Jays. Get excited, and we'll see you then. Buenas noches, amigos.